Isn't it great to be together today as church family? You know, what a wonderful time worshipping God. What an amazing sense of his presence. How lovely to be able together to pray and to connect with him and to receive from him. How lovely to have people to turn and chat to and have a laugh with. Isn't that just a wonderful, wonderful thing? And you know, This morning we have sung some incredible songs about God and about his faithfulness. We've reminded ourselves that he is the almighty God of love, that he's our hope, that he's our defense, that there's no one like him. And we sang that song at the end, didn't we, that I do love, you know, I'll fix, sorry, the last song, I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. I'll put my trust in you alone and I'll not be shaken. And I suppose I've been thinking a little bit this week about how do we actually practically do that? You know, if you've been with us for a while, you'll know that we are ploughing, I would say ploughing, that sounds a bit negative, in a positive way. We are working our way through this series looking at emotionally healthy spirituality. Some of our life groups have been looking at that and we've been looking on Sunday mornings. And a number of us have found it really helpful. If you've missed any of the weeks, then you can find them on the podcast based on the website. And this week we are looking at how we put into practice some more of the things that we've been talking about. Because I don't know about you, but it's very easy, I find, to get caught up in wonderful worship at church. And then, crazy as it seems, sometimes even forget about God a bit until the next time. Until maybe meet up with a friend, or you go to your life group on Wednesday night, or you come back to church another day. Doesn't that sound crazy? When we're all the wonderful truths that we've sung about him, about what he's like and who he is. And yet life is busy and full, and it can be really easy to be distracted and for other things to take our first focus. And so today we're going to be looking at some really practical things that we can do to help us live out the things that we have sung. Now, I'm not a football fan, but this week I was really taken, um, I took interest in the news about Arsene Wenger. Have we got any Arsenal fans in in the room? Anyone who wants to confess? (laughs) Oh yes, a few at the back. So he's, for those of you who don't know, Arsene Wenger's been the manager of Arsenal Football Club for how many years is it? Nearly 22 years, a long, long time. And I think their progress has been somewhat up and down from what I hear. But the tributes that were paid to him this week I found really interesting because professional sport has changed a huge amount in the past 22 years. And what they've said about Arsene Wenger is that he has been really instrumental in this. I was listening to someone talk on the radio and they said when he kind of took over the club 22 years ago, um, football players would go on their tour bus to away matches and would have competitions to see who could eat the most number of lunches before they got to play. And then they wondered maybe why they didn't play so well when they got to the other end. And Arsene Wenger was somebody who was thinking in a brand new way, who actually thought, this probably isn't going to be the best thing for our team. Why don't we look at diet? Why don't we look at how we work and our exercise? And one of the players said he actually introduced vegetables and fish, which at the time was quite revolutionary to some of those sports people. And, you know, we laugh about it, don't we? But when we look at professional sports people now, we take it for granted that they are intentional about all areas of their life, that they look carefully at the things that they eat, the things that they do, in order to make sure they perform really well because they know that the end result, that the prize, is really worth it. Now, I was reading um, about another guy who was an Olympic um, swimmer, and he said that he hated diving into the cold water at five in the morning when he was training, but he knew that if he wanted to stand on the podium and wear an Olympic medal, 
then he had to go through that um, that pain, if you like. He had to get up and do that thing because the end result was going to be worth it. And so we know that professional sports people have to be really intentional about how they live and what they do. Now, we've also had the Commonwealth Games this week, and I don't imagine that many of us are ever going to hold a Commonwealth medal that we've earned or an Olympic medal. But the, the netball team did an amazing job, didn't they? That kind of really close match. Did anyone get up to see it, or did anybody get to, to watch that? Was it 52-51? They just got that last goal in the last minute. An incredible, incredible achievement. And so we're unlikely to achieve in an athletic way like that, many of us. But the Bible encourages that we can be outstanding in our spiritual lives, that we can be like spiritual athletes. And, you know, as we've been looking at this book by Peter Scazzaro, he suggests that we can be like athletes and have intentional and conscious plans to make sure that we are doing well and doing our best to reach the end goal. Something that struck with me for a while is a, a little kind of poem that I read one time, and it said, If I have one day when I don't connect with God, then He notices. If I have one day when I don't, sorry, if I have two days when I don't connect with God, then I notice. If I have three days when I don't connect with God, everybody else notices. I don't know if that's true in your life, that sometimes we can keep a veneer of doing the right things and kind of being seen to be Christians. But unless we're making really intentional and active choices to follow him and to put things into practice, then certainly he will notice, we will notice, and ultimately other people will notice. And it's the same for sports people, isn't it? You know, when they have a training program, they may miss one day of training and it gets a bit more difficult the next day to get back out there on the f- in the field. But if they miss several days, then the next time they get to compete or to play, it has a huge impact. And so today we're going to look at how the Bible encourages us to be these spiritual athletes and what that looks like in practice. Now there's a passage that many of you may be familiar with in Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to have a quick look at that or it is coming on the screen. And this is a letter that Paul wrote and he said, Therefore, since we're, sorry, we're starting in verse 1, we're, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's where I'm going to end. And in this series, we've talked about deliberate things that we can do to look at the effects of the past on us, to process grief and to to kind of throw off those things that hold us back. And some of the practices that we can put in place to look forward and to fix our eyes on Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, there's another verse that you may well be familiar with. And Timothy says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You know, I've found this talk quite difficult to prepare because I've been really keen that as I talk about these things that you don't hear me say, you need to do more, you need to do better. There's a whole list of things that you should do to be a better Christian. That isn't what this is about. 
What this is about is how we put things in our lives to help us connect with God. In that verse, it talks about us having growing in godliness, in training ourselves to be godly. And in the New Testament, the word for godliness describes not the things we do, but actually our attitude towards God. And I know that you are, we are a worshipping people. Those songs that we've sang with such passion and enthusiasm really show that. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to devote ourselves to him. And we can do some practical things to train ourselves in that. And so as we're looking at godliness, what that means is kind of devotion in action. It's our attitude towards God. And we can grow in three different ways. There are three elements. And the first is the appropriate fear of God. And what that means is not being terrified of him because he's horrible, but that means having the right awe and respect for him because of who he is. The truth is that God hates sin. He hates the stuff that we do wrong. We know that's the truth. And yet, amazingly, he has been so kind to make a way, as Graham said when he was leading worship, to make a way for us to connect with him again even though we all do stuff wrong. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that make you just want to go, wow, that is awesome. This is the God we love and we serve. So as we turn our hearts towards him, that's one thing to think about. Where am I in my attitude of of reverence and of awe towards him? The second thing is about the love of God, and we've touched on that in our songs too. The love of God for each one of us that is so deeply personal it's very easy to, to know some of those um, Bible verses, isn't it? Maybe you know that one, John three sixteen. God loved the world so much he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you've been a believer for a while, that almost trips off the tongue. And we can very much think about God who loves the world so much. But who is the world? The world is me. The world is you. This is such a personal thing. And so we can let, grow in our love for God And we can grow in our love of God as we're so grateful for the way that he loves us. And the third area to do with devotion is looking at our desire for God. You know, from the beginning of the year, we were looking at the more of God, weren't we? Trying to deepen a hunger in our hearts for more of God, for more of his presence, for more of his friendship. And as we think about godliness, we can train ourselves to do this. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Because some of these things you might think, well, surely this is just an experience or just a feeling. In worship, I sometimes feel, yeah, God, I really love you. But if we make choices to put ourselves in front of God, choices to connect with him, choices to open our hearts towards him, then we will grow in godliness. And I suppose my encouragement today is to say, have you thought about how you're being intentional in your walk with God? Have you had time to think recently about the practices and the the rhythms that you have in place to help you to grow? If you think about yourself as a spiritual athlete, how are you getting on? How are your muscles? How's your fitness? If we want to develop our spiritual lives and run with perseverance, like Paul says, how do we put things in place to help us do this? And you know, in this book, Pete Scazzaro talks about a very ancient practice. It's called having, called having a rule of life. And Nigel's mentioned this as he's been talking, and many of you will be familiar with this. Um, 
And one of the things that I struggled with as I was thinking about this talk is that I'm not so keen on rules. And when I read the chapter, I just thought, I don't want rules around my life. How can I put rules around my relationship with God? That sounds like I'm being really kind of legalistic and sounds like I'm making myself do things. And as I kind of chewed through the chapter, I realized that I just misunderstood what it was saying. Many of us have rhythms and practices that we put in place every day or at different times in the week or the month. You know, when I get up in the morning, I go, my, one of my first things to do is I go downstairs and make a cup of tea. And I have a favorite mug that I make my tea in and I go and sit in a particular chair and I have a thing and I read my Bible. And then I have a routine for getting ready and getting the kids out to school. And on my way to work, there is a particular red traffic light where I stop and put my makeup on. It takes a lot to look this good, as you can imagine. <laughs> so I have routines and I have practices. I have things that are in my life every day. Others of you will do other things. Maybe you get up in the morning, the first thing that you do is look at your phone or go for a run or walk the dog or press the snooze button. We all have different things, don't we? Different routines and different rituals in our lives. And the suggestion about having a rule of life is that we think about the rhythms and the practices that we put in to help us consistently connect with God. And you know that word rule which I was kind of rebelling against, actually comes from a Greek word, which means trellis. And if you think about, I think I've got a picture, here we go, of a, a vine growing up a trellis. A trellis helps a vine to grow. Without a trellis, a vine will kind of flop along the ground and not really get anywhere. With a trellis and with support, the vine will grow up and is able to will be able to be more fruitful and more productive. And so what this is about really is what are, the, what are the things that help us become more fruitful and productive in our relationship with God? You know, if I want to grow in friendship, I have to arrange to see my mates. If I want to grow in conversation with my kids, I have to make times like over dinner or at different times when I'm going to speak to them and chat with them. I have to put things in the diary. I need an intentional plan. Now today is obviously the London Marathon. And if you want to run the London Marathon, you need a plan. Uh, my sister-in-law last year was kind of a, a bit of a, um, what we say, a bit of a novice runner. So she decided she was going to do a couch to 5K and, you know, that was going to be her way of getting fit after having her babies. And for not quite a laugh, but as a bit of a punch, she put her name into the ballot for the London Marathon. And imagine her shock when she got a place. <laughs> And here she was, a 5K runner, who was expected to run the London Marathon in May. And so, of course, Fee had to do something about it. So she did her couch to 5K, and then she had to run a 10K, and then she did several half marathons. And then this time last year, she actually ran the London Marathon. And this is the lady who is kind of like me, and she ran the London Marathon. Amazing! But the only way that she did it was by having an intentional plan. You know, the race of life, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. And if we want to finish it well, with strong relationships, with really good emotional health, with people in our community respecting the way that we've lived our lives, with a deep devotion, devoted relationship to Jesus, with the ability to cope in crises and to weather the storms, we need a plan. It's not just going to happen. And to be honest, the truth is that just coming along on a Sunday and even being part of a life group in the week is not going to be enough to carry you through. We need to do more than that. We need to have 
an intentional connect with Jesus, connection with God each day and at various points through the day. And I realise that as I say this, some people might be going, well, yeah, of course we do. I'm aware of God's presence through everything I do. And if that's you, that's awesome. Bless you. How wonderful. And if others of us might be going, I really don't know how on earth you can expect me to do that. When I look at my life and how busy it is and the demands and all the stuff that's going on, I don't know how I can make that happen. And so what I want to say to you is, this isn't a test and this isn't a competition, but this is an invitation. God invites us into invitation and into relationship with him. And it looks really different for each one of us because each of us is made so differently. Earlier in the year, Nigel and I had um, a chap who was coaching us for a while. And in one of our conversations, we were talking to him about some of the things that were going on in our lives. And as you know, we've got the building work going on here, which I've been quite responsible for, in addition to my extra work. We've also had some really dear members of staff who have left our team, other new members who are starting. I've got a good friend of mine who's moving away. Um, My kids are doing exams this summer. There's a lot going on. And I said to Mike, sometimes I feel like I'm only just about keeping my head above water and keeping my connection with God. And he said, do you know, it reminds me of a story about my wife. She had cancer about four or five years ago. And she went to the doctor and she said to him, why have I got cancer? I have always eaten well and exercised well and looked after myself and done all the right things. Why have I got cancer? And he said, you are looking at this completely the wrong way. Because you've done all these different things, you are in an incredible place to address and to fight this cancer. If you hadn't put those things in place, your body wouldn't have been in such a good um, kind of way now to be able to fight back. I thought that's really interesting. And he said to us, you know, the practices and patterns that we have put into our lives historically are things that help us through the times when it feels hard and when things feel pressurized and pushed. So let's not wait until we're in a crisis and look to God and go, oh, help, come and meet me now, I'll just read my Bible. Let, in the ta- let us, in the times which are just the ordinary times, think about the practices we want to be putting in place. You know, that song we sang, didn't we? I'll build my life upon your love, it's a firm foundation. I'll put my trust in you alone and I'll not be shaken. So how do we do that? Well, over the past year or so now, we've looked at a number of different elements that help us do that. We've looked at how we can read our Bibles, looked at prayer, looked at Sabbath, a whole range of different things. And what I'd like to do today is I'm just going to give you an overview of what they have called this rule of life or this trellis. It's kind of like a framework and an invitation. And we've got some sheets to hand, actually. Do you want to hand those out, please? The basis behind it is that we look at how we live spiritually with intention. We live an intentional life. And this is not something that you can fill in in five minutes now and it's done. This is an invitation to be thinking about our relationship with God in an ongoing way. And so as this comes around, you'll see that there are various different um, kind of headings. And these are supposed to be a a prompt for thought. And as you look at them, you'll see them and you'll think, oh, yeah, okay, I do that already, or that's an area of strength for me. And other things you'll think, hmm, I've never even thought about that. I've never even done that before. And you might want to consider them. But what we're going to do is we're just going to quickly look through the summary. I think most people have got their sheets coming out now. 
And so the first area comes under the area of prayer, and there are four elements. And in fact, one thing they say about a rule of life is, is because it's so practical and so personal, you don't have to have the same elements under each subheading. This is just like a guideline to, to help us to think. But the first thing to look at is scripture and Bible reading. God speaks to us in and through the Bible. You know, we have to go through different seasons in life, don't we? But it'd be really good to think, how am I connecting with God through the Bible? Maybe you're one of these people who are going through the Bible in a year. Maybe you're doing the Bible in several years, but that's your way of connecting with God using one of those apps. Maybe you use one of those ancient practices like lectodivinia, which is when you chew on the story and you let it really kind of take, take root. Maybe you're someone who meditates on a verse or you look at the same passage in different versions of the Bible. There are lots of ways for us to connect with God through the Bible. And the encouragement is to find the one that works for you in your particular life stage. The second one is silence and solitude. And you know, I heard John Wright speaking about this at our national conference in January. He is training himself to have about 20 minutes every day when he just sits in silence and connects with God. Now that for me seemed like a bit of a stretch. So when I came back from the conference, I thought I'm going to set an alarm on my phone. And when I have my cup of tea and my favorite mug in the mornings, um, I just sit for about four minutes. And the reason I set an alarm is otherwise they keep on opening my eyes and having a look and see what time it is. And that kind of defeats the object. So at least when a little buzzer goes off, I know, okay, I've had four minutes. And in that time, I'm not trying to think about things. I'm not trying to pray. All I'm trying to do is say, God, here I am. Would you just come and meet me? I know that another friend who at work um, likes to do this and so just goes and spends a few minutes sitting in the loo, just locks the loo cubicle and that's the quiet place. And maybe if you're a mum with little kids, that might be a good place for you as well, just somewhere where you can be on your own. The third item is the daily office and we have talked about this in detail, about having these regular points in the day to connect with God. And if you want to find out some more about that, do listen to the talk that Nigel did. And the fourth one is about study. Not just reading the Bible, but actually studying. What does it say? What does it really mean? You might want to do this yourself or with friends. You might want to go on a course. You might want to join um, the theological training course that's held at Christchurch, looking at different ways of really digging in to who God is through the Bible and what he wants to say to you through that. And the second section is about rest. We've talked a lot about Sabbath, haven't we? Stopping, resting, delighting and contemplating. And again, you can go back and listen to that talk. The next area is simplicity. Sometimes we can get so burdened by all the stuff around us. We talk about this at Christmas sometimes, don't we? About how all the expectations of who to buy for and what to buy just take the joy out of Christmas. And so how can we live more simply? You know, a good friend of mine um, has been away recently. And when she came home, she said... I opened my wardrobe. In fact, I opened my three wardrobes, and I was quite struck how many clothes I'd had. She'd been travelling, and she'd managed to do, to cope with a suitcase for several weeks. And she got home and found she had all these clothes. And she said, it made me think, gosh, it's actually quite stressful in the morning deciding what to wear when you've got three wardrobes of clothes. So what I did, I just went through my wardrobe, and I just gave away a load of clothes that I don't really wear very much. You know, sometimes... Maybe it's just ladies, maybe it's men too. We kind of keep things kind of just in case, don't we? And she said it was really liberating for me to reduce the amount of stuff that I had. It made the morning so much easier. I know I like to wear that. I'm just going to put it on. (laughs) She actually said her kids were looking at her going, Mum, are you all right? (laughs) Because after all these years of having loads of things, she was giving stuff away. 
And then finally in this area, it talks about play and recreation. What are the things that make you laugh? What are the things that are fun? You know, sometimes when we have time off, I don't know about you, but it's very easy just to sit down and watch something on Netflix. And that can be good, but sometimes we don't come back feeling any more rejuvenated or refreshed than when we sat down, do we? What is it that gives you life? You know, a few um, weeks ago, Becky and I went and had some time with some friends doing a craft thing. That was really fun for us. My brother-in-law says he loves digging the garden. Now, you might not think about this as play and recreation, but he just really loves being out in the fresh air and doing the garden. If you're looking for some fun and time to laugh, come on the church weekend away. That is what it's for. We get together, we do fun things, we laugh, we have fun. It's in, if you put it in the diary and are intentional, it's a great way to connect with others and just to enjoy being out. So that I know I'm rattling through these, but I want to give you an overview of some of the areas that you might want to consider. So the next area comes under work and activity. And we're looking at service and mission. How are you using your time and your talents to serve other people? Nigel's already mentioned these mission trips. And for some people, that means going away and doing it. But for so many of us, there are plenty of ways that we can serve just right here at home. We're so excited that when we open up the building, hopefully end of May, beginning of June, that's the current plan at the moment, we're going to be able to open our children's storehouse more. And perhaps you can't currently serve on a Thursday because you do something else. But you might like to come and serve the community by giving away food and clothes on a different day of the week. If that's you, then please speak to Jenny. She'd love to hear from you. It might be that you want to invite someone who's lowly into your family. There are hundreds of ways that you can do this. But think about how you're using what you've got to serve others. And then we're looking at care for the physical body. It sounds funny, but actually listening to our bodies can be a way of really listening to God. Sometimes our bodies are the things that show stress and exhibit pressure. Does anyone get pain in the neck sometimes when you're feeling stressed or on your back? And sometimes that's just a pointer that God is saying, come on, you need to be resting more. You need to be taking some time out. So thinking about our bodies is an important area under this pattern for life. For me, I'm trying to read a book before I go to bed at night time. I don't want to be on my phone to the last minute. What I'm trying to do is put it away and actually read because that helps me just relax and sleep better. Maybe you're someone who's really active and sporty and you could help the rest of us in this. You know, in the past, we've had a cycling life group in the summer and a walking group and a fitness group. Maybe you're passionate about this and you'd like to have one of, start one of these life groups in the next series. If you do, let Chris know. He'd love to know. And then we're on the home run now. So the last area to look at is relationships. We've talked a lot about emotional health. Is there stuff that's been churned up in these past weeks? that you would like to take some time looking at? Is there some grief that's come to the surface that needs processing? Is there some kind of loss that you need to work through? We talked a few weeks ago about how to have a good fight, about conflict resolution. Perhaps there's something in that area that you need to commit to walking forward with. And a section 11, how's your family? Do you need to be putting in some time in to ring your mum? I might say that tonight when I talk to the students a bit more. You know, what, do you, what is good to do? What would be good areas to grow in? Maybe it would be good to go on the parenting course that's being run in June, in May. And then finally, looking at the area of community. We all need companions for the journey. It's really hard to do this on our own. Perhaps by hooking up with somebody through the big Sunday lunch, 
you might find some more friends to to journey with perhaps you need to look for a specific mentor or someone to help you in a particular area now I realise this is a lot of words and the last thing I want you to do is make you think oh blimey so now I've got to take this home and put something under every category that's not what it's about but what I'm going to encourage us all to do is to take the piece of paper home and to have a think over it this week ask God if there's anything particular or ask him where, the, where you're strong in, in these things and there's four little questions on the bottom of the sheet so in which areas do I have strong patterns or rhythms do any of them need to change perhaps you've been reading the Bible in a certain way and it just feels like it's getting stale and God's got a new idea he'd love to connect with you in a different way you know, is there a new area that he's calling you to develop and the last one what can I plan and do about it? Because like being an athlete, these things take work and they take intention. And it'd be very easy for me to say to you, right, get out a pen and just write down what you're going to do. But if we're serious about life being intentional, about making changes, then this needs some thought and it needs some prayer. And you know, for me, um, I've actually got some time away this week. I've taken some time off and I'm going to be somewhere else because it helps me to actually physically get away and away from the distractions of life to think about this. Because for me, I know that one area that I need to look at is about how I look after my body, care for the physical body. Last year, I did really well. I did do a couch to 5K and I did some well, well with my fitness. But the, this year, I've just let that go with loads of other different distractions. And, you know, I'm really aware of that. And for a long time, I keep thinking, I need to do something about that. I need to do something about that. But in the busyness of life, with everything else that's going on, it's really difficult to take the time. So what I did several weeks ago, I thought, I'm going to put that on hold. That's on the back burner. And I'm going to plan some time to physically go away and to think about this and to pray about this and work out what does this need to look like in my life in this season. And so it's not a quick reaction because I'm very good at saying, oh, yes, I'll just get up at six o'clock and run around the block or whatever. But I know if I do those things, it doesn't put it into practice. I need to be much more intentional and think through how it's going to work. And you might be looking at me going, well, lucky you. You can take a day off and go and do that somewhere else. You can go away. But whatever your stage, I just really encourage you to find the way and the time to step back. When I used to work full-time for the council, I used to have um, a, a way of adding up hours. So if I worked an extra half hour every day, it all added up. And then I could have a day off every month or every six weeks. And so that's what I used to do. And every kind of half term, I'd go and have a retreat day away. And maybe that's what works for you. If you're a mum with little kids, we've got the incredible Dad's Club that started yesterday. Perhaps next time that's on, you need to send your husband or your partner off to there and have that couple of hours in the morning as your time to reflect. Maybe you've just got the d demands of older parents and a busy job. And perhaps you just need to choose one evening where you say, I'm not going to watch Netflix. I'm going to go and sit in the bath, if that's where you like to think. Or just carve out some time when you can deliberately reflect. And so that's the encouragement for today. God really, really wants to keep connecting with us. He wants to have an ongoing, passionate, delightful friendship with us not just on Sundays when we're together, but throughout each day. That's his heart and his intention. And our part is to say, okay, what can I do to make some spaces and help make that happen?
So why don't we pause for a minute now. Perhaps you might just look at that sheet that you have. I'm just going to pray, actually, and say, Father God, there's many words here. (laughs) And yet our heart is that we would connect with you more, that our friendship with you would deepen, and we would live lives that are really entwined with yours. And so please will you show each of us what that looks like for us. I just say no to any pressure, no to any sense that this is another list that's got to be completed. But thank you for the invitation to walk more.